Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. We glorify your name. We thank you that as we are in this place today that you are with us. That God, you are not for what we want, but we are for your will. And so today, God, I just ask, Father God, that your will be done. That you speak through us. That you walk us through every area of our lives that need addressing in Jesus' mighty name. So when we were in the break, I texted a few different people and said, oh, by the way, I put you down to sponsor a kid. Um, and they go, oh, really? Cool, thanks. So, and then thumbs up, so we're good. Um, so we are going to be keep, keep pushing it. It's going to be great. Make sure you grab one. You can grab two as many as you want. So um, it's based on your budget and what you guys can do. Who's ready for Thanksgiving? No? I'm ready to eat. I don't do anything but eat, so I am abundantly ready to eat. <laughs> Last Thanksgiving, I gained, I think, five pounds that week. Um, and I'm going for a new record. So we're going to be, we're going to be great. Scientists actually found out that uh, women who add a few extra pounds live longer than the husbands who say something about it. So just understand that, yeah, this is great. Hallelujah. If you have a Bible, open to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Hallelujah. Sorry, I'm walking. At this moment, also, the ushers are passing out, if you haven't gotten those yet, uh, these little thankful sheets. Uh, we're going to walk through some things. I, I, I was writing this message and thinking of next week. A lot of times we do Thanksgiving sermons the week or a few days after Thanksgiving. I wanted to do it leading up to Thanksgiving this year. Um, and as I was thinking, like many of us do, uh, we sit around a table and go, what are you thankful for? You're put on the spot. And you're like, uh, I love lamb. Like, you know, you just have these random things that you come up with. And, and we're going to be walking through some things that we're thankful for um, today. So you'll see here, um, I gave you three things you can be thankful for. This is not a test or a quiz. You take this home, you keep it. Um, and then we'll walk through, reflect, and cherish on how those, how those work. For me, one of the most significant things that have happened in the church body over the past few decades is the understanding of the concept of impartation. And impartation is that Holy Spirit has placed something inside of somebody. They, by the laying on of hands, they can impart into them. We see this um, in the Old Testament. We see this in the New Testament. And this idea of impartation is a beautiful thing, and I love it very much. But there's a big difference between having something that is imparted or imputed unto you versus spiritual maturity. Uh, I'll put it this way. You can be saved for two seconds, lay hands on somebody and watch them get healed while you still struggle with road rage. True. Mm -hmm. yeah. See, the difference is that there are aspects of our life where grace comes in and there's nothing you did right or nothing you did wrong. God just moved over your life. And then there's other areas of our lives that it takes spiritual maturity to go through. And this week we have uh, Thanksgiving and one thing that is not imparted but is mature is a thankful heart. Amen. 
The moment you get saved, you don't become thankful. There's a lot of people that are going to heaven that are miserable people. Okay. How about this? The only way you truly know you have a thankful heart is when you have the opportunity not to, yet you still choose to be thankful. How do you know you're thankful? When you have every reason not to be. But you still are. In 1 Thessalonians, it tells us to uh, rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks continually. I, I, I find this verse interesting for me um, because it is a learned and disciplined lifestyle of thankfulness that creates a thankful heart. In uh, Nehemiah, there is an account of these people that are tasked to continually, every day, give thanks to God. That sounds like an incredible job. What do you do for a living? Oh, I go to church and just give thanks to God all day. Like, that's what they were doing on a continual basis. And from what we've understand, and what we gather today, would have a list of things they were thankful for. They would go up and they would vocalize what they were thankful for every single day. And, and as they would read this, I, I don't know about you, it sounds a little robotic to me. Like you're going to get up and you're going to walk through something. It sounds a little dry. But one thing that I have learned is that when you don't feel the emotional connection to being thankful, when you become thankful, the emotional connection comes around. I was talking to Jessica, man, and last, at the end of last month, she said, hey, how about for the month of November, you, we both individually do a, a thankful post. You do something on your social media, something that of that day you're thankful for. Can I tell you the first 12, 13 days? Cake. Then you start waking up going, I don't know what I'm going to put next. Uh, and you start looking around. And you start searching, God, what am I thankful for today? Because you don't want to repeat the same thing over and over again. It's something new every day. But for me... I would spend potentially a couple of hours walking through the day going, tomorrow I'm going to be thankful for something. What is it? And I would put it in my mind. What is it that I'm going to be thankful for? And so my heart began searching for the goodness of God in my everyday life. See, when you start walking a lifestyle of looking for God's goodness, can I tell you a secret? You find it. And a person who is trying to cultivate a mature heart, a thankful heart, is somebody who spends time looking for God in the mundane. See, that's not that we're going to be thankful when you win the $1 billion lottery, but will you be thankful that you have a quarter of a tank of gas? And as I would spend my, my, my time thinking about what I was going to post and what I was going to do, some things were easy, like coffee. It was there. I'm thankful for coffee. Glory to God. Nectar of God himself. I'm so grateful for it. Other things were a lot difficult. Like I had to figure out that I was thankful for Thomas. Um, no, you, you see these different things. But can I tell you, we live in a world that actively empowers complainers. And what complaining does is it magnifies something uncomfortable to make it larger in our eyes than God's blessings. 
The children of Israel were slaves for 400 years, and in the first 30 days, they complained about being free. I want you to think about that. In the first 30 days. Actually, first week. They have been seeking God's face. God, give us this. God, give us this. Give us this. God gives it to them. It was better in Egypt. (laughs) See, a heart of complaining undermines God's blessings in your life. And even worse, it creates a psychological breakdown where something that we used to pray for, we complain about now. Isn't that the weirdest thing? Practical. You see people who are praying for a car. God gives them a car. They love it for the week. Then they complain about it because it's not like somebody else's. We see people who are praying to have kids. Then they have kids. They complain about their kids. It's my job to complain about your kids, not your job to complain about your kids. Oh, my gosh. If God... Just get this summer over with. Why has it got to be so cold? Like two weeks ago, you were like, I just need a break of this heat. And now we just, have you noticed that people are only happy when they're unhappy? (laughs) It's the guy who is, and complains that he got a new tax structure and you would just be happy that you could live off of what he pays in taxes. It's seeking God's face for a house that you're once grateful for and now you curse because it's not as nice as somebody else's. It's a complaining person that convinces themselves that God's blessings and God's goodness isn't that weird? A complaining heart takes the goodness of God and, and puts it in their mind that it's a curse. And if the enemy can get us to curse what God blesses, then we find ourselves in a war against God's goodness. And our culture has convinced people to do this every single day. Because if you're happy and you're thankful and you're vocal that God's given you something or blessed you or whatever it is, then you're evil because you have something. I'm not talking about people who have billions and billions and billions of dollars. We have convinced ourselves in a culture that if you are grateful for something that God has given, we have, we have convinced ourselves to minimize God's blessings. Else. Think about that. We have begun to convince ourselves that if God gives me something, I've got to keep it a secret because it might offend Tyler. And if I offend Tyler with God being good, then I am an evil person. How about this? What if it, just food for thought, what if it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance? Like what if God's decided, and again, I'm not here to talk about that God wants every single person to be a billionaire, but what if I pour out his goodness by blessing you financially? Why is it your responsibility to curse what he blesses and to hide it? How about in my poverty, I can be thankful, and in my riches, I can be thankful, in my healthy body, I can be thankful, and 
faithful. In all seasons, in all areas, I should pray continually and I should always be thankful. It's a daily habit of a spiritual discipline that we have to walk through. And our culture has told us that the only thing you're allowed to touch or the only thing you're allowed to post is a negative thing. I believe this is why Twitter was invented. Just so you could complain publicly. Like how many tweets do you think God is great? Look at what he's done for us versus how horrible something is. It's the most bizarre because negativity is magnified in our culture today. And I don't believe that's what God wants. So today I'm going to walk you through some things that are very obvious that I'm thankful for and a few things that are not obvious that I'm thankful for. I believe that we can be thankful for things that are just the the basic necessities of life, but I think it's also our responsibility to dig a little deeper too. So if you, uh, in Matthew chapter 13, we see a parable. We're going to get to, what did I say, Timothy 4? We'll get that in a little bit. In Matthew 13, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has, and buys a field. Being thankful means reflecting and cherishing. And when we look at what's important, we should build our thoughts around this. So the very first thing that I'm really truly thankful for is, is, and not in any particular order, but I'm thankful for my family. Okay? So I'm going to show you what my number one would be. I'm thankful for my family. I'm reflecting on that by saying that my gratitude towards them for loving me when I was unlovable. Thankful for that. How about for giving me their time and resources? Countless times. I need $20, by the way. it's, It's for speaking hard truths to me when I needed to hear it. I'm thankful that my dad has sat me down, that my mom has looked at me and said, stop being stupid. Kind of good parents like that in the house. Look at your kids and say, don't be dumb. You're smarter than this. I'm thankful. I reflect on a regular basis this past week on the things that my mom has done for me, the things that my dad has done for me, the things that my sister and my brother-in-law have done for me, continually making my life better because of who they are. Now, to cherish that, okay? I don't want that to go away. So what am I going to do now? It's, it's one thing for me to sit at a, at a table and say, I'm thankful for Rusty, and then leave it at that. It's another thing to go, well, how, if I'm truly thankful, am I going to build my life to have more of that in my life? I want the good things of God in my life. So one thing that I'm going to do is, like, how about this? At our dinner table, we're, I'm going to turn my phone off. It sounds stupid, sounds easy, but can I tell you, being purposeful with the time of the people that you cherish is going to build healthy relationships. One of the biggest issues in our society, and this is not a soapbox because I'm unbelievably guilty of it, is letting something that is arbitrary and meaningless like this black mirror here to dictate how much time I pour into it. Versus people who've poured into my life Okay, sitting at a dinner table, Rusty talking about his day, what's going on? Yeah, dude, that's crazy. I I know. You know what's crazy is that we can break up our minds into so many different functions. Easy example today. I'm playing the piano. 
I'm trying to text Linda, who is completely ignoring me. So I'm trying to grab my phone and make hand motions while I'm playing the piano, listening to where EJ is going, at the same time wondering what my transition is going to be. So let me ask you this. At what point in today's worship service was I present in something? And this is what happens. I'm thankful for my parents. I'm thankful for my family, but I'm never present with my family. I'm never present with them. How about this? Number two, my, my, my uh, cherished moment for family is this, is that I will purposefully schedule time to spend with them. Everything doesn't have to be this spontaneous event that takes place. If you want to spend time with your family, every Monday at 7 o'clock, do game night. Whatever it is that you have, schedule it because if it's important enough to cherish, it's important enough to schedule. What you're telling somebody is, I believe in our relationship enough that I'm going to block out amount of time with no phone, no television, whatever it is, and spend it with you. Quality time is a lost art in our society. And just because I'm in close proximity to somebody doesn't mean I'm spending quality time with somebody. How about this? Another thing the way I'm cherishing them is forgive. My family is amazing, but over the past 39 years, as you can imagine, I have done things to offend them. They have done things to offend me. How about this? We forgive. If I truly cherish somebody, I'm not going to hold it over their head indefinitely for the rest of their life, the big and the small things they do in your life. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongdoing. I cherish them by doing that. The second thing I'm super thankful for on my list is my church. I love my church. I love this place. I've reflected on this place. I've been meditating about this place for a long time. And for years, you guys have poured your love out to me. You've poured your love out to strangers. And you continually just are a place that is unlike anywhere else I've ever been, where you just love unconditionally with open arms. How about this? You give of your heart. You give of your talent. And you give of your resources. This is a giving church. Before we could even make a full announcement about the angel tree, we already had angels gone. It was an opportunity for you to connect. How about this? A heart to encounter God's presence. Church here is not, can we get out in 45 minutes so we can make it to the restaurant in time? It's, can we show up and encounter the living God? And it doesn't matter how great EJ sings. It doesn't matter how horrible that I play. If you guys show up with a heart to encounter God, crazy things happen. But if you guys show up with a heart to get out of here, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get out of here. So now I cherish my church. I cherish it through my giving. I, I love this place, so I will give to this place. I will give at the angel tree. I will give in the tithes and offerings. Whenever there's something going on next week, I have my, my week off. But I'll be here to give still. I don't have to be here. There's no law that I have to be here. The, I think my boss is okay with me taking off. Uh, I'm joking because I'm my boss. But I, I am still showing up because why? I see some things and I go, it needs to get done. And I love this place. I want it to be better. So I cherish it by my giving. How about this? I cherish it with my participating. It's easy to say, I love my church, but I never give. I never participate. And I, and, and I never do anything about it. 
part of cherishing this place and cherishing you guys is the fact that I show up. It's so much easier for me to stay in my PJs and see you guys at Walmart every once in a while. In my PJs. Sure, I didn't segue that one correct, but I've shown up to Walmart in my PJs too. But that's a totally different side story. But yeah, part of what we do is by putting an importance on something, I'm going to participate in it. And when I show up to church, whether I'm playing the piano or I'm standing on the, on, on the, on the ground, I'm participating when somebody's singing and worshiping. I'm participating in the angel tree. I'm participating when there's an event. I'm participating because life is not about me. The third thing is that I participate by bringing. I invite people. I believe in this place, and I believe in who you are, and I trust you. I had this conversation with my mom. There was a season at New Life. And I'm not throwing anybody under the bus except for my mom. Uh, there was a season of our church where, can I be honest, when it came to worship, it was a tad bit embarrassing. And I would have been a little bit embarrassed to bring people to church. But now, because of a fantastic piano player, <laughs> no, has nothing to do with that. But now I'll look at it and go, I cherish my friends to bring them to a safe place where they can encounter God and loving people. The third thing I wrote on the common things that I would write is I cherish my kids. I, I, I am thankful for my kids. The Bible tells me that kids are a blessing. So don't curse them. When I see my kids, one of the coolest moments is uh, either pulling up to pick them up from school or, uh, you know, you, you see them, you know, when they're, if they're with their mom and I see them at a store, whatever it is, they drop everything they're doing to run to you. There's no greater feeling than that. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that my kids are full of love and laughter. I'm thankful that my kids are healthy. It's a weird thing. Uh, this past week, my, my, both my kids had a stomach bug and... And, you know, it's not fun with carpet, just to be honest. But it was a weird thing where I'm finding myself at four in the morning cleaning up stuff. And I'm going, I'm glad I have the ability to do this. I've got health that I've got. Yeah, sure, this is not a good moment for their health right now. But there's no reason for me to complain about this. I'm a, I get to be a dad. I, I, I'm also reflected that they're, they're moldable, that what I do matters. My attitudes, my words, the music, the videos, the whatever it is that I'm doing, your kids are like Play-Doh. They are completely moldable. And if you want to know why your kids are horrible kids, hmm, it's probably not YouTube. It's, it's probably YouTube without the tube. But, um, but the, the, the truth, <laughs> uh, somebody got that one. Um, but it, it's one of those things, or maybe it is YouTube, they're watching you. Um, but it is one of those things where, where they're moldable. But, so now I cherish that. I, I, I cherish that by going, what I say and how I walk a godly life matters around my kids. So while it's easy for me to pray and do my devotions in my room when they're still asleep, it's different than I... Make sure that they see it taking place. Dad, what are you doing? I'm reading. What are you reading about? And the amount of times my daughter goes, read it to me. And I'm like, you really want me to read Zephaniah to you? 
she just sits there because she wants to be close. She's watching her dad seek after God. I cherish this. Here's a weird thing that I cherish my kids with. I, I, I cherish this to my kids by protecting them from injury, but not protecting them from pain. There's a big difference. There's a difference between something hurting and being injured. I never want my kids to be injured, and from my heart, I never want them to experience pain. But the reality is, sometimes when you experience pain, it's a beautiful lesson to learn. And parents, your job is not to exempt your kids from all moments of pain. Your job is not to exempt them from all moments of responsibility either. We'll get to that later on. So a couple of unusual things that I'm thankful for this year. I'm thankful that when I pray, God hears me, but doesn't always answer me when I want him to. That's a weird thing to be thankful for. How arrogant do I have to be to assume that if God would have heard me, I would know by now because he would have done what I told him to do. (laughs) Who do I think I am that I can judge whether or not God heard me by whether or not he became my Santa Claus? How about this? Let's reflect. The Bible tells us that when you call on to the Lord, he hears you. It's an easy thing. It's a black and white, written in scripture kind of a thing. So let me reflect on this. For God to hear me, it's a privilege to be heard by God. That's a, I want you to think about the creator of everything listening to your voice. That when Nathan prays, the creator of the universe goes, I heard you. You're not ignored. You're not going and taking your prayers and they're putting them on a list and they're just putting, you know, in a file for the system. God is listening to you. We have the most powerful being to ever exist and who will ever exist listening to you. And I'm also thankful that he's a parent. So let's tie in the last two together. A parent's job is to give the kids what they need, not what they want. There's a lot of things that I want. And God looks at me and says, yeah, that's a bad idea. But I want it. You don't want that. I'll put it this way, my, 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 a, a while ago, because maturity kicks in, last year, I'm walking through um, Academy Sports with Malachi, and he's pointing out these AR-15s that he wants. Now, I have nothing against anybody who has a gun, I don't care, it's none of my business at what age, you, 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 you. I know my son. And I knew it would be bad because he's like, and if somebody comes to the door, I'm going to do this. So I have this thought because I know my son. He's going to grab it, go into full space out mode where he is now trapped in his own VR without a headset. How? Because I would have done that. 
the amount of time my dad goes, you know how well you did that? Because I would have done that is unbelievable. Because I have a big imagination. My son has a big imagination. And sometimes, I don't know if it, do you ever get lost in your imagination? Do you ever get so lost in your imagination, you, you have a conversation in your head and you realize you verbally just spoke that out for everybody? Am I the only one? The amount of times that I was like, did I just say that out loud? And, I, and I'm so thankful that uh, I have wireless AirPods because people probably go, oh, he's just on the phone. The amount of time I'm not on the phone and I'm just talking to myself out loud is unbelievable. And I forget that I'm talking to myself. How about this? Have you ever started shopping at Target or, or, or at a Walmart and then found yourself at a Kohl's and go, why did I show up here? <laughs> Two weeks ago, I was at Academy Sports. And I ended up in Coles. And I never got into my car. I don't, know, I don't remember leaving Academy, walking across a parking lot, bypassing all these stores, and now I'm standing here looking at coats. And I'm going, I was so lost in my thoughts. My body kept moving. Yeah. It's crazy. I do take that out for my mom. My dad's not that way. Mom. Um, yeah. No, but seriously, how about this? We're going to get even dangerous. Have you ever left a destination in your vehicle and you pull into your driveway and go, <laughs> did I kill somebody? <laughs> like you have zero remembrance. Is that it? Come on, somebody. Thank you. I have wondered for years, and I go, man, just, and I get into a panic. I'm like, are there cops chasing me? Like, did I run a red light? I got, God, am I going to be on the news? No, because what happens is, is that my imagination, a lot of times, you get lost. My son gets lost. So giving him something that has the ability to take life, to know that he can get into his imagination at that season of his life would have been a horrible idea. It may have been what he wanted, but it wasn't what he needed. There's been moments in my life where I have wanted God's judgment on people, but it wasn't what I, nor did they, need. He doesn't always answer, but he always listens. So how am I going to cherish that? By not letting disappointment dictate my prayer life. By not complaining about what others have and what I don't have. I'm going to cherish this by building a relationship that is stronger than one prayer not being answered. I prayed last week. It didn't happen. So I guess this isn't for real. How about you build, <laughs> you build a relationship that's stronger then one of your things or two of your things not being answered at the time you wanted them to be answered. Ladies, your marriage is stronger than you not having to repeat yourself one time. If that's the case, whew, be a singles club. No, but what you do is you understand your husband wasn't listening. So you're going to tell him for the fourth time, pick up your shoes. Oh, okay. Well, why do you say it the first time? How about this? Matthew tells us that your heavenly Father knows all your needs and will give you all that you need from day to day 
if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. How about I am thankful, weird thing, for pain. Pain. Pain isn't always a bad thing. And I know in cultures uh, where we talk about God's goodness and mercy and grace, a lot of times we skip over the fact that there is a, there's pain in life. And pain's not always a bad thing. Because my life is not supposed to be with the absence of pain. Because the Bible tells me he takes ashes and turns them into beautiful. For something to become ashes, it meant something else had to be burnt to the ground. And as I reflect on this, I think of the pain and failures that have helped teach me and not break me. That God has always been with me through every painful experience. Even if I didn't feel his presence, I knew he was there. And that the fact that sometimes I walk with a limp is a sign of a fight, not a failure. I cherish this by seeing the progress. It's about looking back and going, if I was here two years ago, even if I'm just here, it's still better than being here. And when you're moving in the things of God, a lot of times you look back and go, did I take a step? In painful moments, where was the growth that took place? I cherish this by forgiving And not staying stuck in bitterness. I cherish this moment of pain by helping others in their pain. And sometimes helping others in their pain is looking at somebody and going, it's time to move on. Remember back in the day, people used to give tough love? The Bible tells us that God corrects those he loves. And you looking at a loved one, looking at a friend, looking at whatever it is and going, hey, I love you with everything and I'm so sorry you had a bad moment in your life or a bad decade in your life, but it has been a decade since that. It's time. It's time. Because you're stuck where you are and everyone else kept moving forward and I love you enough to say you're losing life. Having conversations isn't a bad friendship. It's a great friendship. Looking at somebody, not judging, being mean, but presenting a new viewpoint going, I understand your pain. And I understand things didn't go the way you wanted them to go. And I understand he hurt you. I understand she hurt you. I understand all of those things. And I'm so terribly sorry that took place. But the biggest injustice is that they all moved on and you're stuck. And we got, we got, I love you enough to say we got to get healed. And we got to move forward in life. And part of experiencing pain and, and being thankful for painful moments is going, that moment didn't crush me. It propelled me into new things. Because when you go through painful moments and you come out of it, you come out with the ability to help other people in ways you never thought possible. Ask me how I know. Because when life falls apart and everything seems to end, and you look around, you go, I'm still standing. I have the ability now to look at other people and go, if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. 
And my pain hurts, and it was real, and it was emotional, and it was all of those things. It was not something that you're going to just wash by, but I also love you enough to say, God's not done, so get back up. God hasn't finished, so get back up. And if you're experiencing pain, and you're going through the the, the ringer, and there's a lot of things, and you're feeling lonely and depressed, and all those things, and isolated, I understand, and I'm so sorry, but can I tell you, you're not done yet. Get back up. Don't stay where you are. And I love you enough to say that. you got to forgive and you got to move forward. Not for them, but for you. You don't do this for anybody but you and God because what's happening is pain that was meant to crush you can develop you. Diamonds aren't made without tons of pressure and tons of heat. And it's not time that you throw in the towel You will see the goodness of God, I promise you. And in the season of pain that you may be in or you just got out of or a pain season that may be coming on the road, understand this. It's not always fun and I'm so sorry that you're going through it. But don't waste a good painful moment. The best way you build muscle is called time under tension. It's resistance training and it's not just lifting up a weight and go, boom, okay, great, done, woo, good workout. It's creating a training that is creating stress on a muscle long enough for your brain to go, I need to be bigger. And when you're going through painful moments, the time under tension in your spirit is a great moment for you to grow at a mature rate that you cannot normally get. Painful moments give you an opportunity to see your maturity skyrocket. It's miracle grow for your soul. I know it sounds opposite, but it truly is. Because when you find yourself in the lowest of below, and you're sitting there going, I'm in the worst spot, but God, I'm thankful for you, and I'm even thankful for this situation, because there's something in me that I'm going to grow through. There's something in me that you're going to teach me through. Whatever it is, God, and you start seeing yourself change your perspective, and where everybody else caved, you stand strong. Because when the economy crashes, or when the jobs start losing, or sickness is around, and your hands are still raised, you can take the money and you can take the health, but you're not going to take my happiness and my joy because it's found in him, not in this. I'm thankful for pain sometimes. I don't look for painful moments, but if they happen, God, glory to God. This is an opportunity of an investment. Dad, when do people make money? When When do the rich get rich? He's told me for years, you know when rich people get rich? When everybody else is getting poor. 2007, I was in Southwest Florida, and uh, we had the big market crash. And I watched people within a couple of months go from making $300,000 a year to $30,000. Now, that's a big pay cut. When I moved down there, I couldn't afford a house. There was literally nothing that I could afford. You're talking about $600,000 for a two-bedroom condo. Like, not on the beach. Just... In the ghetto, like it was just like, you know what is the craziest thing? The market goes, and I bought a townhouse. I bought a townhouse that was $249,000, and as a joke, I offered them $49,000, and they took it. It was a joke. And I'm like, guess I bought a townhouse. Great. You know when rich people make money? When everybody else loses their houses and they buy them cheap. In other words, painful moments for them are investing moments for them. 
Maybe there's a painful moment in your life that should be meant to be not looked as to crush you, but a moment of investment. Holy Spirit, what areas of my life are you wanting to talk to me about? Holy Spirit, how can I invest into who you're calling me to be? What are the moments? God, I'm not going to allow a great moment to fail. Hmm. Last but not least, in a weird way, before y'all throw stones, just let me finish. And I'll give you some stones later on. I'm thankful. I had this conversation with Thomas yesterday about David. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm thankful for the law. Not this, this law, but the Old Testament law. We don't live by it. We're not subjected to it. But the law was always intended to point out how messed up I really was. Can I tell you without it? I would think that I'm awesome all the time. Why? Because I'm a human and I'm self-absorbed. I mean, we all are. So we have a million filters on our phones. We're always looking at ourselves. We're internalizing everything and trying to project something else. But the law and everything else looks at me and goes, Hey, Pete, you are a sinner saved by grace. You are not God's gift to the world. Jesus was. Fun fact. And you're not him. Like, it's a weird thing. But one thing that I'm super thankful for is the fact that I know who I am and who I am is not the best. Because when I align my life to the light of his word, it points out my flaws. And I'm thankful for that because two, one, it keeps me humble. And two, it shows me areas that I can become better. You want to you change your image from glory to glory? It's by looking at the areas of your life that you need to adjust. I'm so thankful that in areas of my life, I can look and go, Pete, you need help. And here's the crazy part. I can stand here all day and be like, well, God forgave all my sins. And he did. And God has for, for, for restored me. And he has. But you know what's great? Is that when I see myself repeatedly dealing with issues in my life, it's typically not because Christ's blood wasn't enough. God created you not to be alone. He did. He created you to be with other people. He created you to have community. And our world has told us that being around other people is horrible. It's, it's psychologically creating people to become islands all over the place. I want you to think about this real quick. Over the past mm, 48, 36 months, how many times outside of a birthday or a big event like that were you invited with a mass amount of people, let's say 15-ish, just to go to somebody's house to hang out? And you're not, you're over the age of 25. Good Lord. It used to be all the time. What are you guys doing this weekend? Y'all want to come over? We can just hang out? Okay, great. And it was a big event. There was bounce houses everywhere. No, there was hamburgers and hot dogs and bologna sandwiches. Like there was nothing special. It was just people. And what's happened now is now we're scared to be around people. And some of it is health issues. And some of it is just learning social anxiety. And I think for me, when I walk through this, I'm finding myself realizing one of the biggest areas of lack in the church is the fact that the church loves God 
but they love people from a distance. We want our one-on-one relationship with God here, and we want our relationship with you back there. And we do this because of a couple of reasons. Number one, we're always afraid that if I get too close to you, you'll see something, and I'll be vulnerable. Because whether we want to admit it or not, we may not compare our cars to each other, but if I look at you and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, and you look at me and go, I'm not. Can I tell you? In my heart, I'm, gonna, I'm just joking. I was seeing if you were. <laughs> now, we live a life of comparison that's, that's eating our society whole. And we're, we've convinced ourselves it's safer to be alone than to be together. And what's crazy, the law has taught me something, and that is this, is that all of us are messed up. Bible has... It very clear, all have fallen. The Greek word for all actually means the word all. <laughs> Every single one of you. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. So maybe you're struggling with something that I'm not struggling with. And I'm struggling with things that you're not struggling with. But the truth is, is that we need each other to move forward in life. But we live our lives in a weird sense. Remember the movie Rudy? We live our lives like Rudy. Rudy, if you, if you haven't watched the movie since 1984, uh, he was a young man who loved football. And I love football. It's great. Football is fantastic. Hey man, I gotta, I gotta preach. But the crazy thing is, is that I am not that great at football. I may be better than other people, but you're never going to see me on ESPN. And if it is, it's because I failed at something so bad they thought it was funny enough to put it on ESPN. <laughs> Here's the thing. Rudy wasn't good enough to play. For four years, he spent countless hours at the gym, countless hours on the practice teams, getting beat up every single day. And for four years, he worked on the craft of football and got to play two plays. What if Rudy would have been a great accountant and he would have spent the last four years working on that craft? What is going on with my microphone? It is dying on me. What if he would have been a great doctor and studied? What if he would have been a great, whatever, insert thing. But what he was doing is he was spending his time working on what he thought was his weaknesses. Can I tell you a lot of times, if I could have a superpower, it's not because I want to save everybody, but I want to protect myself from everybody. I want to be a billionaire, not just so that I can help people, but that I don't need anybody else. I'm being honest. Thomas and I were driving through Atlanta yesterday, and we're looking at the lottery. I don't remember what it was, um, $500 million or something like that. It, it was something crazy. And we're sitting there laughing about what you would do with $500 million. And can I tell you, it was probably 30th on the list, but I'm like, I could help somebody. <laughs> you know why? Because I would use the wealth to help me. When God created Adam and Eve, 
it was unique. And, and when you look at some of the, the, the old writings of some of the Hebrews, uh, of the rabbis, they would look and say that he, he took Adam and he took Eve and he had them stand nose to nose, toe to toe. And the idea there in American culture is if we stand nose to nose, toe to toe, we're going to be into a fight. In their culture it was, I see what's coming behind you to protect you. You see what's coming behind me to protect me. And together, we're safe. And this is not what we're teaching these days. Today, we're teaching you're safe when you're alone. You're safe when you're isolated. You're safe when you have enough income where you don't need a boss. You're safe when you have everything exactly the way that you want it. You're safe when you have the body that you want, the income that you want, the freedom that you want. You're safe then when you insulate yourself from all the nastiness of the world. And that's not what God intends. God intends for this. And it's okay that you're not perfect. There was only one. And we killed him. So here's the good news. I'm thankful for the law because it tells me that I need you. And that you need me. I'm thankful for the law because it points out that in my lowest of low, God still loved me. I'm thankful for the law because as I walk through with all of the reasons that he has to leave me and to, to, to walk away, and for every reason that he's ever, that I can come up with, he saw it and advanced and loved me anyways. He doesn't have to do post-forgiveness. I didn't see that one coming, Pete, but I guess I got to forgive it. He died for me seeing what I would become before I became it. Forgiveness is interesting when somebody does something against you and you forgive them versus knowing what they're going to do before they do it and you still choose to forgive them knowing what they're going to do. And that's his love. This season, you have a lot to be thankful for. And I hope everybody takes time to, to walk through it. Maybe at lunch with your kids, ask them. But it's not just spouting off, I'm thankful for air. I'm thankful for, for living. I'm thankful for this. Ask yourself, why am I thankful for it? And how do I protect it? Some people are thankful that they have health. They could have been dead. A great, great way to cherish that, maybe to ask yourself, what are you eating? Not, not this week. You get a pass. <laughs> Exercise. Live longer. We want you here. But in this life, You've got to be thankful because if you're living your life and complaining, you're cursing what God blesses, and it's not a good look for you. I know we didn't get to 1 Timothy 4. Read it. The first few, chat, first few verses are amazing. But we love you guys so very much. Let's, let's pray. We're going to bless you, and we're going to leave. Father, we just thank you for, your, for, your, for, for you showing us areas of our life to be thankful. We're thankful, Father God, that you speak truth to us in all seasons. That God, right now, that as we walk this walk and as we live this life, that God, you continually pour out your love, your grace, and your mercy in the good times and in the bad times. And in this season, God, I just thank you that you're speaking to us to cherish every moment in life that you've given to us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Y'all are blessed. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.